It's 200 years in Earth's future. The city, we don't know, but it could be Toronto. Jake Cardigan is a tough cop uh, who's tough on crime until he... You know what? It's Tech War. What is this book even about? It's a show. Why did I say book? Start the episode. How's it going, Drew? Oh, buddy, it is. Are, are, you, are you prepared for this week? <laughs> no, I am not. Let me tell you. This week we are covering as part of our syndication September, the next option, William Shatner's Tech War. And we have to call it William Shatner's Tech War because it was called William Shatner's Tech War, not Tech War, William Shatner's Tech War. Uh, and you said you you saw this as a child, correct? I did. I watched at least I remember watching the original movie, which we watched tonight. And I remember the series. I don't think I remember the other TV movies. I remember seeing commercials on USA Network because I do remember watching that as a as a kid. But I, I and I remember seeing the novels, but I, I have no recollection of actually sitting down and watch the show. And I also I think my recollection would have inserted William Shatner into the part of the main character. And so I think my my, my brain maybe amalgamated something from Star Trek and TJ Hooker reruns and stuff. But I, I, I have no I definitely didn't watch what we watched this week. I can tell you that much because <laughs> Boy. Well, let's let's get into to Tech War. A little backstory. So it's 1988. William Shatner is in the process of directing uh, a little a little film called Star Trek V: The Final Frontier, a classic, truly. So but, how do you feel about Star Trek V? Your 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 cadence didn't seem to really give me the proper you know, implications. Not a fan. Not a fan. <laughs> But something else happened in 1988, and that was a a writer's strike. So all of a sudden, production halted on Star Trek V, and, well, old Billy Shatner kind of just put pencil to paper and started thinking about, you know, different ideas. And he thought about, you know, Star Trek that he was working on in the future. And then he thought about T.J. Hooker, his awkwardly named, in today's context... Uh, popular show popular show did it for years i think it might have been on the air longer than star trek was which is well yeah, at it was, least it was on for episodes. five seasons i think it was on for five seasons uh, and where which was a a cop show uh yes for, for those who don't know yes it was, it was a, a cop show about some like 15 year old police veteran sergeant i think i don't i can't remember uh and and just decided you know what would it be like if i combined star trek with tj hooker and tech war was born. See, in this time, he decided to sit down and write nine novels. All not nine, at one time. Just, not at just one time. The, the, I, the I, series I, is nine novels long. So, so <laughs> William, William Shatner has a lot to say about his time with this. And yes, he does openly admit that when he first decided to work on it, he wanted to pitch it as something that he would star in because, of course, William Shatner would do that. 
Well, you know, we say that, and I mean, obviously, knowing William Shatner and 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 his ego, he would. But at the same time, you, you kind of can't blame him. I mean, he was Captain Kirk. He had just finished a stint on a very successful uh, police procedural show. In his mind, if he's writing something like this, why wouldn't he star in it? Because you know, because he's a bit old now. <laughs> Even then, that has not stopped anyone. That's true. That's true. I mean, I've seen Diagnosis Murder. So. This is where we do have to clarify something, because if you look at any tech war book, William Shatner's name is the only name on it. And it is true. William Shatner provided story outlines for all nine tech war novels over the years. Uh, But it is widely known that tech war was written by sci-fi author Ron Goulart. If I'm pronouncing that name correctly, I hope. I believe so. And so obviously Shatner wanted to shop this around. He wanted this to turn into an actual starring vehicle, not just, you know, a book. The problem was Tech War's setting of 200 years in the future often derailed the interest in turning these novels into a film or television show. The networks liked an idea. They were piqued by the, they're just was piqued by the adventures of a futuristic cop show. but. They all every single meeting was shot down because they they saw that the reach of the future as too expensive to consider, which is kind of wild to me, you know, considering I think you mentioned or maybe I was talking to someone earlier today uh, that Star Trek is like 200 years in the future. Yeah, Star Trek is 200 years in the future, roughly, maybe 250. And, uh, you know, it's got spaceships and uh, laser guns and all sorts of stuff. And you look at the show we get. And it's got uh, the Vancouver skyline. Yeah. So Marvel Comics developed an interest into turning it into a comic book on the condition that the comic book be set 50 years in the future as opposed to 200. I do not know why it was Marvel that set this condition because it makes no sense. I think it's because it's the only people that were willing to try. I, I get that, but like, why would they care? And, and, it, and it may have been because shortly after the comics launch, the Shat received interest once more in Tech War. And I and I would probably guess that seeing that the story presented with the 50-year concession, all these people were like, okay, I can see how we can work with this. So Shatner's own production company, Lemley Productions, struck a deal with Atlantis Films and hired Steven Roloff to develop Tech War. So Roloff, and, and at this point, as we're developing the TV series, we've got about two or three books that have been published. I think the first the first tech war book was in 1989. So it was not very long after that. And then you've got Tech Lords in 91, Tech Lab also in 91. So it was which get, have you seen these covers? They like are the original covers. Wild. I they, own, that is the exact word I was going to use. I, they I, are wild. I own one of these books. I think I own Tech Secret because someone bought it for me uh, at a at a con as a joke. Um, <laughs> I mean, that sounds like something I would have done if, if I had known you back then. Yeah. So, 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 so we've got, uh, cause, cause the series comes around in 93, 94. So at this point we've got five books to pull stories from, which is very prolific Shatner. Good job. Yeah. Uh, so, so Roloff, uh, Stephen Roloff put together a, a pitch of tech war and, eventually got a deal with Atlantis films 
or a deal for Atlantis Films with Universal. Uh, and he described his role by saying that he was just supposed to sit around and think about how he would actually try to create the future for television on a television budget with those restrictions, knowing that he wasn't going to get a Star Trek budget or be able to put together a bunch of pitches. So I did that over a period of a few months and put together a pitch document, which included a series of images and kind of a written description of our world that went out. And after a little bit of wheeling and dealing Atlantis Films struck a deal with universal. So tech war is inching closer to becoming a reality, but who gets, which is wild to me that he was talking about, you know, it wouldn't be financed like Star Trek. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, are we talking TOS? Because that show did not look expensive. Sure. But TNG, but TOS was huge in movies. It was. And, and it had, and TNG was. But did TNG have a big first season budget? Uh, I yes. mean, I know it looks good, but I didn't, I didn't know how big the budget was. So I don't know how big the budget was. It had to be pretty big for, for everything they put into that. But the other side of that is that Gene Roddenberry the reason that TNG stayed on the air is because Roddenberry organized having a set amount of episodes, a full season before they started mm-hmm. filming. Unlike a lot of other things where you might get six episodes and then try it. If that was the case, TNG wouldn't have, wouldn't have continued. Well, I, I, it was dumb for me to ask because I've seen what TNG looks like in 1989 and I've seen what tech war looks like in 1994. <laughs> yeah. And, and keep in mind, 90, 1994 TNG is in its prime. Like it is yeah. about to start winding down. So meanwhile, as this is going on, Shatner is getting cold feet. He's thinking, how is this going to be received? Is it going to be a failure? But my name's on it. So if it's a failure, you know, don't put my name on there if you're going to make this. But you're going to put my name on there because I created it and it needs that star power. So they advertise it as William Shatner's tech war. His his quote, my God, the responsibility (laughs) Which which is funny because it's one of those things where it's like you either you got to wonder how confident he is either in the project or if he just is a like a nervous person like this is probably I would say the first thing that he did that was his I mean this is this is William Shatner's tech war even even though he had a ghostwriter this is his idea this is his you know a conversion from his brain to the screen outside of of directing one of the worst star trek films of all time um so i i i actually I, when i first read this i thought it was very funny as a, as a shatnerism but the more i thought about it i, I was like I, I i get where he's coming from uh, yeah i mean if you think about it it's 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 really complicated to think about yeah. having your name be so associated with this thing and especially with shatner because he's known for this other ip and now he's making his own IP. And well, and even TJ Hooker. I mean, TJ Hooker was a big hit. And <sighs> yeah, he's he's Captain Kirk. And I mean, I, I remember seeing the books at Barnes and Noble. And if I recall correctly, which is it, it could completely be the Mandela effect. But if I remember correctly, around 95, 97, when those paperbacks were being put back out and trade, uh, not trade paperbacks, but mass market paperbacks at Barnes & Noble, I'm pretty sure they plastered his face all over those covers. I'm fairly certain they did. I mean, the video, I, ga- the video game that eventually got created had his face on the Well, I'm looking at the USA Network poster that you can you can find on the, on the Wikipedia thing, and this that looks very similar to me. For um, sure. So here's the here's the wild thing about Tech Wars. It wasn't just greenlit for a season. It was greenlit for four 
two-hour TV movies to serve as the show's first season. Like, that's... I know the the, the prior things that we've talked about with uh, Forever Night and Thunder in Paradise both had TV movie origins. But this one started out as four TV movies with the potential to become a show. It's like, we need... We don't need one pilot. We need you guys to... We need a whole flight crew out of you guys before we're going <laughs> to. Yeah. And, and, and the only, on one hand, I kind of want this to win just because I want to see these three other movies to see how it plays out, because I also kind of think it's a genius idea, because if you have a movie, you have to tell a concrete story. You can have through threads throughout those four movies. We've seen that happen with Marvel Cinematic Universe and sure. stuff like that. But I, I kind of dig this idea. And so the, also, so, also, we've read some of the descriptions of these TV movies. And oh, my God. They, I don't want to say them because I want to keep it a surprise if we do that. But they are bonkers. Yeah, you're going to hear the word wild a lot, I think. So basically, if tech were proved successful, an hour long series would be commissioned to air in both Canada and syndicate in the United States as part of as part of Universal's action pack, which was the future home of Xena and Hercules and even Bruce Campbell's Jacks of All Trade, which I just threw in there because I love that show. <laughs> um, this, this is something that was around for a while. And so it's kind of interesting to see it's it's sort of beginnings. The, the show was filmed in Toronto and. The first of the four films, simply called Tech War, was released on January 17th, 1994. And uh, while reviews were tepid at best, at best, <laughs> uh, with with some, I mean, just dogging this show. And then some some I think the most positive stuff were like, yeah, that's fine. Uh, the one one the one that confused me was it's, it uh, called it the Mod Squad meets Wild Palms, which is apparently a science fiction television event I have never heard of. Wild Palms. I don't. I need. Yeah, to, I need. I meant to look that up. Yeah. Yeah. It was an. It was. It was aired on ABC. It was a five-hour miniseries, and it's some sort of sci-fi drama. I didn't read past that, and it had some big names associated with it, and apparently it was a big deal. And I, I've never heard of it, so that that is something we were absolutely going to have to do in a future episode. Yeah, uh, but what is this? most, most, I think my favorite was uh, describing the show. <laughs> Jake Cardigan is revived after a four-year cryo submersion. Since Jake is played by plastic hunk Greg Evigan, awake is merely a relative term. <laughs> <laughs> I like that Entertainment Weekly just simply called it dull Blade Runner. <laughs> that that is a pretty great one. But despite all of that, Techwork was a pretty solid success. U.S. stations reported an increase of 44% compared to the time slot in November, which sounds random, but November is sweeps time for most television shows in like the mainstream TV world. So it's 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 the main ratings time. The season premiered strongly on January 7th. Um, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, in the United States, the show was moved by the, the U.S., by Universal, to USA Network for the show's second season. Uh, the show premiered strongly on January 7th, 1995, scoring a 3.4 rating, which apparently at the time was the highest rated premiere in the history of basic cable. So we got to talk 1995 and basic cable was a different time. At a hundred percent. It's just funny to say those words. It's one of those things where it's like you look at the Emmys and they're dominated by by cable shows and well, now streaming shows, but. 
This was this was a different time. The cable channels weren't even allowed at the Emmys yet. That was, they were still in the Cable Ace Awards. <laughs> right. But despite these high ratings, they basically started to slide right after the premiere. And by the time the 14th episode aired, they fallen rapidly enough that the show was canceled. And it's a weird synergistic thing because I think USA Network wanted to cancel the show, but CTV was still kind of down to clown a little bit. But because they had some sort of a simulcast or symbiotic relationship, when one was was bailing out, the other was bailing out. And so the show was canceled, leaving four unaired episodes. However, the Sci-Fi Channel, which was a corporate sibling to the US, USA Network, purchased the rights to broadcast, including the four unaired episodes, which were finally alongside the CTV in Canada, shown a year later in January of 1996. And that is pretty much the end of Tech War, because while if you're around that time, you might have vague memories of it like Drew and I do, but I mean, there, there's been nothing since then. Well, like it is, there's, there's no Tech War wiki. There's no. However, there are still three Tech War novels that come out after this. Yes, uh, aside from the books that do that do happen, whether or not they, they give a satisfying conclusion, I have no idea. <laughs> so let's get into Tech War and let's set up the world. It is sometime in the near future on planet Earth. They give they give some dates at, at, at certain points in the show. Uh, we don't know when this is, but we we get some dates. I think we know it's four years after maybe 2040 or something like that. Something like that. I can't remember. Uh, Jake Cardigan, not the sweater, but the guy. Uh, he is a, a police officer who had been who was in cryogenic jail uh, and they are waking him up. And that sequence is actually pretty cool. Uh, no, it's, it's pretty dope. Why, why was he in jail, Drew? So he was in jail because of getting involved with a drug called tech. Yeah, define that for me. So define, tech, define, define tech because the show sure doesn't. So tech <laughs> is a is a drug, but it's like a chip that you put in this <laughs> thing. It's virtual reality, sort of. Um, it's like if it's like if a, if it's like if a tiny little CD got you really high, but it only worked once. Oh, man. Hit me, baby, one more time. <laughs> so uh, he he had been involved in trying to hunt down uh, one of an individual called a tech lord. And the tech lords are basically your big crime bosses that are creating and distributing tech in this future world. And what future world is that? We don't know. They don't tell us where this is in the show. Well, Drew, I have to I have to give you props for that summary, because you sure set the world up a whole lot better than this show does. <laughs> uh, I, here, I have a weird, complicated love hate relationship with 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 Tech War. Like on one hand, I kind of really loved it. I kind of really enjoyed it. And on the other it frustrated the living hell out of me. Um, and, and partly is that, that I think the, the writing, specifically the world building, 
I'm just going to say it, it's pretty bad. There, I, there was a, I think I was about 30 minutes in and, and I was texting Drew saying, uh, uh, paraphrasing for the podcast. I have no idea what the heck is happening right now. And I am 30 minutes into the show. I have no idea what's going on. Well, and, and they spend a lot of time on some of the background on some of the world. And then they spend almost no time on other bits of the world. And I do I do think that this is because. I don't think this is directly adapting one of the books, but it seems like it's adapting from what I hear. It is it seems like it's adapting some uh, a book and they have cut out all the stuff that they don't think would play. So Jake Cardigan is in prison. Uh, He's being woken up from his cryo sleep. He was sentenced to 15 years because he was involved in killing his partners as part of this drug bust and they found him bliss out of his mind on tech which of course if you know he's jake cardigan he's a cop and blah 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 uh they they you know that that is clearly a lie because there's no way that jake cardigan who willingly uses tech later in the show and has called an addict about it well so there's that so they're back and forth on that also this is one of, I think, Drew and I's favorite thing about this show. Jake Cardigan was was sentenced to 15 years in in what they call it, the cryo penitentiary, not penitentiary, cryo something. Some some sort of uh, cryo kill sta- uh, station or something like that, which I, I don't. We don't know how cryo sleep would actually work if you just kind of blink and you wake up. So it's like 15 years. Who cares? But it's supposed to be a 15 year sentence. He gets bailed out by William Shatner. That'll come up later. And the entire freaking movie. He's been gone four years. Four and years. He at, the, pre- the president is still the same. Uh, <laughs> I hardly recognize it out there. I can't believe how much things have changed. I mean, every five minutes, he's talking about how things have changed since he's been and, on the inside. And, and people keep telling him, let's change since you went on the inside. It's like, no, it hasn't. It's four <laughs> years. Yeah. It's like he's been gone a week. Like that is one thing. And I know this does not do service to the more you nerd, you know, objectivity that we we keep. But you look, I have a I have a I have a bar and and this this show crosses it so many times that I have (laughs) to communicate to you people how ridiculous. And and this is why we did it, because it's not that we just want to make fun of, of bad science fiction, which this is. But. It's also I'm looking I'm looking at this with love like the, these are love taps because I, I did have a good time. I do think the core of what they're doing in tech war one is is honestly a fun idea. Shatner had a fun idea. Yeah. And it's, and, and uh, this whole thing and it was called Dull Blade Runner by Entertainment Weekly. And that's really kind of how I feel about it. There this this detective noir story is not doing anything different than any other schlocky detective noir story. It just has a couple of sci-fi elements, some of which work really well and some of which don't. I don't think that a four year time skip is that significant in a person's life. Like it's it. We've, we've been doing our other podcast for almost that amount of time. (laughs) (laughs) And and so here's the thing is, Oh, I missed half a season of cosmic crit while I was in. I missed what? Two seasons of Doctor Who. (laughs) Again, it's, it's one of those things where that's just like, 
And again, this that is also what happened in the books. That is from the books. Uh, for based on what I've read, he was supposed to go in for 15 years. He comes out after four. Now, there is a reason, I think, why they did not. I feel like the four year jump. Let me let me figure out how I want to say this. So it's supposed to go in for 14 or 15, uh, 15 years. He comes 15. out after four. I think that that was they were only going to have him in for 15 years. And then they decided to give him a son. And they didn't want the son to have grown up too much right. so that they could still have interactions between Cardigan and his son. That that's my feeling about this, uh, because that's a whole other thing. You have this you have uh, Cardigan who's who who goes inside and he thinks he's going to go out. And what? Nobody told my wife I was getting out. Nobody told this or that. And of course, he finds out that she has filed for divorce from him while he was inside and he, she has moved uh, uh, her and her son somewhere that he'll never find them. Despite the fact that they seem to still be in the same time zone. So, and this stuff, I, as silly as it's presented because of the writing, I I like it because one, while this, this, this show absolutely fails to, to properly world build it, 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 it has such a problem trying to set things up looking back or like when things are, are kind of set up for you as like drew, you set up the whole concept of, of the show that the show does not set up for you. I watched the trailer for the show and they define tech better in the trailer than the movie does. Well, and the movie shows him taking tech once and it, it's basically this euphoric uh, feeling that is it's kind of like your own little personal holodeck of what's going on in your head, but it's what you want to see. Well, so what what this conceptually, I think this is a cool idea, and and I'll I'll get to that in a little bit. But I do like how this sets up visually the world. While this does look like on the cheap, they do a really solid job in certain parts of this movie to make it look that the future, like when he's leaving the the. I guess the prison hospital center and they're going down that, that uh, CGI strep- stretch of highway. And the, I couldn't tell if those were shields that the car were passing through. There are billboards Each, above it. And there are billboards above it. And I was like, Oh wow. I mean, honestly, a lot of science fiction. has I used actually, that. I actually remember that scene from here. And, 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 and I was like, Oh, that doesn't look nearly as cool as I remember it looking, but it's a neat, it's a neat idea. And, I will say I made a joke about uh, as we're setting this episode up last week that the technology looked like computers from, you know, 1994 when they were making it. Not the case. These were some fancy futuristic looking computers that I actually think had kind of a neat look. They they, they really did. And and, uh, the funniest, I think, and the most early 90s scene was the the VR hacking scene at the beginning. Oh, you mean with, with Spaz and Cowgirl? And Cowgirl. <laughs> who who uh, has actually had a pretty decent career after this. Cowgirl has? I believe Cowgirl in, in this movie, uh, she's the lead in Jason X. Look, I'm not saying she had a stellar career. I'm saying Look. she was in other things, but she I think she's the lead scientist or and the and the kind of final girl character in Jason X. Um 
Lexa uh, Lexa Doig, which is a name yes. that sounds familiar. Doig. She was She's on, been. She was on Andromeda. Yeah, for I think mo- I think she's the lead character on that, isn't she? Uh, she was on Stargate SG One as Doctor Carolyn Lamb, which is that name sounds very familiar for some reason. A bunch of yeah, episodes like she, of that. She was. She she ended up doing a lot of stuff, which I, I was really impressed so, by just so because it, she had the worst cowgirl accent I had ever heard. On Andromeda, she played Andromeda Ascendant, which I think was the ship. So I think she must be the voice of the ship in that. She's done a bunch. She did uh, a lot the, of B movies, a lot of B movies. Apparently, cowgirl is all over the series, which is interesting. She shows up way more than that one episode that I thought. Um, anyway. Yeah, out of all the people in this, I mean, she's popped up a lot. And oh, yeah, she's Talia in, in CW's Arrow. She's Talia Ghoul. What? And she's a she's a main part of the, the final few years. Wow, cowgirl. Good job. <laughs> yeah. From being a bit part in whatever this is to, you know, least, yeah, uh, but, that, but I like I. I simultaneously loved and hated this scene. I, on one hand, I was like, oh, this "Looks, this is so bad. They're not explaining anything, and this is not how computers work." But I love when, when in movies, this is how computers work. Just like we talked about when we did Hackers a few years ago. Yeah, I, I that scene just cracked me up because they did this before Hackers. I mean, I'm kind of surprised how how much they beat some people to the punch. Yeah, I I think I think that's true. And it's it's I love sci sci fi hacking. It's so it's so dumb, but I love it It at the same time. And Uh, and I also say they don't use a lot of computer monitors when they're doing that either. And that's a cool thing. They've got these little headsets that have these little things that flash on your eyes. That's a cool. That was was the mid 90s all over. Yeah, it's a cool like thing that, of course, you wouldn't use a computer screen. It would just project it onto your onto your eyeballs. Uh, So around like 30, 40 minutes into this thing, we finally get to the point where we find out that Cardigan was bailed out by William Shatner, who, of course, is in this movie. He has to be. Yes. Who is named Bascom. I, I will I will say I, I did find Shatner and, and Bascom to be kind of charming, if poorly written. The problem with, with the problem with Bascom is that Shatner wants him to be the clever, smartest guy in the room who's always got secrets from everybody and is as helpful as he is mysterious. Like, you know, you know, he's probably yeah. got some ulterior motive, but he'll never reveal it to you until it's too late. Well, it's and it's just it doesn't play for me because I don't think Shatner can pull that character off. I don't disagree. I mean, there's that scene that I I, I said to you where, uh, you know, he Cardigan leaves and his assistant's like, you don't know if he's innocent or or guilty. Nobody knows that. Not even Jim Cardigan. And I'm just like, oh, F you. (laughs) I, I I was so irritated by that fake pantomime drama and and that that's that's where my irritation with tech war comes is is stuff like that i can take silliness i can take bad production values i can take stilted writing that's fine but some of this kind of ham-fisted like 
self-important writing is just it really bothers me. And I think that's that's where my 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 hate and my love hate stuff for tech work comes in is is really that stuff yeah. when it pops up and, in the show. And at this at this point, I want to fast forward through the plot a little bit because there's yeah, a lot just, there's a lot get, of it. Get through this so we can talk yeah, about some. Uh, Bascom Bascom wants uh, uh, wants Jake to work with his old old cop partner Sid, played by Eugene Clark, uh, to. To go after this this professor who has created this crystal that, when amplified, will destroy all tech everywhere somehow. But that professor's gone missing, and they think he might be in the hands of the tech lords, specifically the tech lord Sonny Hikori, who who Jake thinks is responsible for what got him put in prison. Uh, flash forward, he, he we we he then has to go to the some sort of weird forested militia zone that doesn't make any sense why it's there so th- this is this is where, i remember when you talked about how they took they took out certain parts of the novel they took out a huge chunk of why we're here uh apparently jake's old girlfriend which has to be old girlfriend because he had been married for at least several years and had a child before he went in 4 years ago and she's she's at like she saw him like last week. She's like, oh, Cardigan, you never change. So the, the, the so, so here, lines. So here's the thing about all of this. We mentioned at the beginning that Shatner started writing this project, thinking of it as a project he would star in. Let's face it. There are. Five women in this movie. And they all four of him. them have some sort of romantic entanglement with Jake Cardigan. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, that, now that you've said that out loud, that that that's a hundred percent. Because yeah, it's, or as you would say in the anime world, it's a it's a harem sci-fi story. Yeah, we've because got we've got his ex-wife. We've got uh, the uh, story-wise is not over at all, but doesn't but keep him from smooching everybody. Certainly seems to be. Uh, we've got uh, War Bride, War Bride, played by Sheena Easton, who is the the uh, uh was a singer and yeah, uh, she was and who I, you know <laughs> if it weren't for that dumb tiara on her head i would have been able to take her seriously even as the the early sci-fi kind of model person who was being used as this like military I, this happened a lot yeah i i, mean, I, I remember carmen electra was putting a, a crow rip off at one point called the raven it exists I promise like <laughs> this happened a lot. So that, that, that didn't bother me at all. And, and she seems pretty competent. Like when she talks about her, her actual like goals and her reasonings, I'm like, Oh, she basically sounds like diet poison Ivy. She's an eco terrorist, except yeah. not a terrorist. Like it's a war, but every, but there are no battles fought except all of her followers yell war bride every time that she's giving a speech. Also, Apparently, war bride is one word. I don't know. And I, I, I don't understand the phrase war bride because she. Oh, yeah, because she's like, I'm not taking a lover except for the war or something like that. She's the bride it, of war and not yeah. how one tends to think about the negative aspects of what a war bride is in the uh, uh, actual real world. But yes. Uh, and, and immediately after she says that she will take no lover and she's only a bride for war. She sees Jim, Jim Cardigan, Jake Cardigan. <laughs> Jake Cardigan and just 
immediately walks up to him and plants one on him in front of all of her followers, which I'm like, one of these things is not like the other. Uh, but this is the kind of stuff that I enjoy in the in these types of of genre mishaps. Yeah. So so we need to introduce our last main character here, which is the character of Beth, aka the android of Beth, because Beth is dead. So Beth is L ten. Of course she is. Of course she is. Uh, that was I actually liked that line. I thought that line was dumb. I, 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 I it's dumb, but it's funny. I, I mean, I laughed. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Be- Be- so Beth Kittredge is the daughter of the professor that Jake is having to go and find. And he finds uh, the professor's lab to find it ransacked, except all of a sudden this this android comes online. Also, there are androids in this. Uh, and one of them is definitely evil data, which is very funny. Uh, yeah. And that's the weird thing is <laughs> we we have no background for androids the problem some people have with androids or really they're, they're just robots are here. Doesn't matter why. Yeah. Uh, that's that, that, that's that, that is the world building that I have problems with. And one of them seems like the bad guy and turns out actually is. Uh, <laughs> Reminded me of Hugo weaving a lot. Yeah. And they, well, and the, that's the other weird thing is they give, they give him some kind of weird prosthetic. At least I think they do based on what this guy looks like in real life but they don't do that for any of the other androids that show up. But anyway, so, so uh, the Android of Beth, because Beth is dead, uh, goes along with, with Jake to try to find the professor because if Beth has died, then she needs to be the one to tell him about it. And da, 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 right. So on and so forth. We figure out that, okay, we find the professor. Oh, but before that, the Android is destroyed. Oh no, it happened. Uh, but it turns out Beth is really alive. What? Okay. And, and and the way this this thing is shot is almost at like like a series of vignettes. It's not a fluid story. And the way it's done is so. So when when the, when the android is destroyed, it's because another android who is disguised to be Cardigan's child is coming towards him. Beth sees it for what it is. And instead of saying, hey, that's a robot, shoot it. She just runs at it and blows up. Next to Madonna and Elvis and uh, Jack Nicholson. I didn't see until you pointed out. And I, you I took a screenshot like, what, of that because it was what, ridiculous. What is this movie show? Like, um, I, I do want to point out that Beth is actually played by Tori Higginson who is best known for playing Dr. Weir on Stargate Atlantis mm. as the main character I, of Stargate Atlantis. And I didn't have a problem with her. And I also didn't have a, a problem with, I mean, most of the actors, I mean, kind of were just here to do a job, whether or not they did a great job. Eh, Card- Cardigan really felt like a proto Nathan Fillion. Cardigan felt almost there. Because yeah. I actually because Greg Evigan had has had a long career. He was on my mm-hmm. two dads before this. He was a known name. And a lot of these people are known names. I mean, especially a lot of them are more known in Canada than they are in the United States. But a lot of these actors in this in this movie. Worked and yeah. worked a lot. Eugene, Eugene Clark's my man, Big Daddy from George Romero's Land of the Dead. Yeah. And, and like Which matters to no one but me. <laughs> Uh, and, and like uh, Sonny Hakori, the, the tech lord that we meet in this is 
in all sorts of things like earth final conflict and a bunch of stuff like that. And, and a lot, and, but, but to, to move on from this, it, it's the problem that I really have with this is that there's nothing really surprising. Everything happens exactly as you think it's going to happen. The problem is it doesn't have anything else to make it that particularly compelling. The characters are there, but they feel more like caricatures than characters. I don't well, I don't think that's an acting portrayal problem because all of these people in this movie have yeah, done better stuff and other things. I think it's a problem of script and I think it's a problem of direction. Oh, we, who directed this by the oh, William Shatner directed this, by the way, <laughs> which I mean, hey, see his track record so far with Star Trek five. Yeah, he he didn't direct all of these. He directed the the pilot he directed this pilot movie he directed the first episode of the tv series and i think a couple other episodes of the tv series and the last well, and, episode of the tv series and this is that, that this is actually a huge issue with i think this this movie is i think it's extremely poorly directed and it's directed by someone who doesn't really know how to really work behind the camera because some of these shots i see what was in his head i get what he was attempting to do. He just did not have the technical skill to do it. And this is not me slagging William Shatner. He was, he was an actor, not a director. He had directed a few things prior to this. Uh, he, he had directed. Not well, <laughs> he, well, he directed a few, uh, about 10 episodes of TJ Hooker. He directed Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. We see how that turned out. He directed right. one episode of Kung Fu, The Legend Continues that now I want to go back and find. And then he directed the Tech War TV movie. So most of his directing work has been in television. He did have a feature film. But I, I think the, another problem with this is, is I think because it was his project, he may have had too much of an idea of what he wanted to be important and not right. enough of an idea of what is important well, to, like there, for, for us to, to enjoy what we're seeing. There's a scene involving a hockey playing robot. Oh, that, I forgot about the hockey fight. And and this assassin is is uh, basically distracting Cardigan so that someone can escape. Uh, I think it's the tech lord. No, it's, oh, no, it's no, 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 no. It's it's, it's um, Warbride's second Warbride, in command. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Anyway, who is also so, working for the tech lord to betray her? There, there is a scene where the the. The android is shot coming down the rink, and it's supposed to be this kind of cool reveal where it comes out of the darkness. I can see this. I can see what was in the concept. I can see what was in Shatner's mind as he saw it. But what we actually see is some badly lit and a bunch of weird blue light of a very stiff guy in hockey pads kind of shambling out with robot noises as he moves and shooting hockey pucks at uh, Cardigan. <laughs> and it's again, it's it's funny and it's conceptually fun, but there's there's a, a lack of. Of technical vision there that I mean, and that's fine. Again, it's OK that Shatner can't direct. That's that's fine. But that that is a huge pitfall of this of this movie because I told you, Drew, this is 1994. And we made a joke at the top of the show about how it looks compared to Star Trek of 1994. Now, I, I, 
I understand they didn't have that much money. But I said to you, this looks almost exactly in visual style to the 1983 film Overdrawn at the Memory Bank starring Raul Julia, <laughs> made famous by Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yeah. And if you watch that movie and, and its vision of the future, it's so similar to the weird, washed out, almost dreamlike quality that a lot of this this film seems to have. I want to like this a lot. I love the idea of this. I love some, I love the texture of what's going on. I love yeah. the, the costumes are ridiculous, but they're the right kind of ridiculous. Yes, I agree. I, I feel like I'm I am being way too negative because there's a there's a lot of fun to be had. Here. Yeah, but but the thing is, I, I like the idea of this so much, but I know on some level it's not going to match up because if it did, it would be remembered and it it's not really. And like it's it, it and I, I think William Shatner's worry when he first didn't want to put his name on it kind of came true they did a big push for tech war and it didn't work out well, they it makes me... they they got they did the movies and the movies were okay and they got the series but the series lasted one season and was canceled in the u.s before it even completed that season well but keep in mind the first season did well very very successfully and and the season two had a very good premiere. A three point two, even in nineteen ninety four, is a really good rating. I mean, basic cable shows, if they are three point two now, they would be on top of the world. That was Walking Dead numbers at one point. It, it almost makes me wish that they had done it the opposite way. And I I, I mentioned I, I'd like to bring up. Do you remember the show Alien Nation? Yeah. Based off of the movie Alien Nation. Mm hmm. Um, I watch that show all the time on repeats on sci-fi channel in the summers as a kid. And I recently learned that that show only had one season, but it seemed to be on forever. And the reason ah, wait, is only one season. It only had one season. And I thought then that for like the, six years for <laughs> the next couple of years. They did TV movies. So when they aired it in syndication, they'd break the movies up into episodes. But OK, that's why I thought it aired forever. There was really only one season of that show. I think I need to look this up now because I remember it being only one. Se I, I remember finding out, wait, it only had one season. Um, yeah, it had one season and then it had five TV movies over the next three years. I, I would agree. I mean, this is why I want to see the other three. I want I want to see where this this goes and in other hands, because like like you said, there, there's fun to be had when he finds these guys. And even even the conspiracy that's going on that, yes, uh, Cardigan got framed and they messed with his memories. They try to overdose him on tech and blah, 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 blah. Bad guy gets killed. Uh, I have and I have some problems with how tech is used. And again, it's because tech is not defined. Apparently you can just manipulate what someone sees, even if they're not on tech, because <laughs> some of these guys appear to have the ability to, to teleport at random or make doubles of themselves. Oh, that's a holographic projector. We saw that he, cause he picked it up and snapped. Oh, that's it right. Yeah, 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 yeah. We had that, but the other, yeah, it was a holographic, but there, there's also like, there's some teleportation going around and I'm like, mm, no, 
no, no. <laughs> Stuff like that would just kind of bother me, but I also that make, that makes me laugh. Yeah. And Miles, we I, all, I, yeah. we we also had a discussion. There is no tech war wiki. There's no tech war fandom. Uh, the website that that we have found. There seems to be nobody that's really covering tech war. We've got nine novels. We've got four TV movies in a TV season. We could become the preeminent tech war scholars that oh, the world God, I needs. I don't know if I want to become known as that. Look, I mean, I'm enjoying tech war. I but here, here's the reason also why I, I feel like I'm so hard on tech war is because I have seen tech war done well. In fact, if you take the almost get rid of the former cop aspect, if you take tech war at its base idea and give it a budget, say a script written by James Cameron <laughs> and directed by Catherine Bigelow, you have a film called Strange Days. Starring uh, Voldemort himself. One excellent movie. Roger, e Roger Ebert gave it four to four stars. It's kind of one of my favorite street level science fiction films. But and it wasn't until now that I realized, oh, man, James Cameron must have just seen Tech War and was like, oh, I could do this for real. <laughs> because the whole idea of tech is is the, the exact same thing. I can't remember what they call it in. Uh, I can't remember what they call it in Strange Days. It's been a while since I've seen it. But it, almost the exact same con concept as a VR type drug that you put on your head. And they just they do it very, very well. I would actually love to make you watch it if you haven't seen it. I haven't. So it's, it, it's a little more noir than sci-fi because it was supposed to be set in the future of 1999, which I love. <laughs> so but. Miles, that is, that is why I'm so hard on tech war. I want to circle back around because you asked me this question last week when we covered Thunder in Paradise. Yes. And I would like to ask you this question now. Should we cover the full tech war season? So if, if, if I if I'm just if I'm not comparing it to any other show that we've done, because I know we kind of both agreed to kind of cancel Thunder of Paradise and renew Forever Night. I would, I, I, honestly, I know, I know this sound. I know I've been kind of the the Debbie Downer here, but I, I would renew Tech War because I do find this world interesting, and I do kind of want to get more into some of these characters because while I was laughing about a lot of this stuff, I, I would be interested to see. Like, I, I legit, I want to know his history with Warbird. I want to know Warbride. I want to know more about her. I want to know, like, at the end of this, the real, uh, what's her name, Beth? Beth. Yeah, she she becomes his girl Friday. I think she might even use that phrase <laughs> at some point. Maybe maybe it was just in my head, but like, she's like, oh, I can I can I can I can help you out because she's proven herself to be smart and resilient, and you're going to probably have this will they won't they thing with Beth because. So the entire time that at the beginning of this this whole thing, he's trying to find his wife and kid and his wife ends up tracking him down because she married some big corporate bigwig. And she's like, we moved on. It doesn't matter whether or not you're innocent. It's over. 
and and that's I was honestly fine with it because we also see Cardigan swap and spit with every other lady on screen. So I really had no Four emotional connection. Four yeah, out of five. To, no emotional connection with the wife. I get I get wanting to talk to your kid again. And so maybe maybe after this movie ends, which it just kind of ends with everyone kind of walking away. Like there's no big finale. It's like, all right, well, bad guys are dead. We stopped. Oh, oh, because we didn't mention I did, did, I don't think we mentioned the whole reason for this this tech war was to because he were trying to make the, the doctor was well, they were trying he, he had the, he, he had the crystal that could destroy tech but then the tech lords realized they could make stronger tech with it at the end of the day the crystal gets destroyed in a big firefight and that's the end of the movie <laughs> yeah it's it's really it's, it's, it's wild I, I know it's it's attempting to be this kind of robocop commentary on corporate uh machinations and greed but it, it everything it anytime it attempts to be smart it it fails However, as frustrating as tech war can be, it, it never ceases to be fun to watch. I will say that. Like, I did have a love-hate relationship with this, but it, it was fun to watch. I want this to win simply because I'm, gonna, I'm going to say a few words about a future tech war episode. Yeah, yes, please do, because I kind of want to I kind of want to see this, too. Tower of London Monarchist Party Excalibur. I still can't. I, I, I have I have read the full description of the episode that Drew is 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 tantalizing you with. And I legit cannot tell if time travel is involved or not. <laughs> I legit cannot tell. Um, and so. Yeah, Tech War is definitely moving up in in the front runner for me personally, uh, because uh, spoiler warning: if we don't get y'all's votes, uh, we're gonna pick ourselves. <laughs> Coins will be flipped. Uh, we'll find. We'll figure that out uh, um, after, I, I, after next week, which we probably need to talk about what we are doing oh, next week, Miles. We will. We we, we will. I, I just want to say right now, I think where it stands for me personally. In, in, my, in the miles um, standings is I'm still I still got forever night at, at number one. But but tech war tech war is a, cl- a close second. Not going to be mad if tech war's in. But, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm right there with you, but mostly because I know forever night lasts at least three seasons. And that's that just I know that there's it was good enough to get continued longer a longer period of time. But that's not exactly fair. So next, I, I have been pushing Drew to do this for a while. Next week, we are doing Mortal Kombat Conquest. It aired for one season from 98 and 99. And it's a live action show set prior to the events of the first game. The series follows the original Kung Lao as he protects Earthrealm with the help of Warriors Zero former bodyguard and Taja, a former thief. Their mission to prepare for the tournament, all while defending their realm from threats from within the Earth realm and outworld. I'm super excited because I remember being very confused. I did see an episode of this when it aired one night, and I was always confused. 
about Kung Lao because I was like, oh, wait, he's in Mortal Kombat 2. And he's also the original winner of the Mortal Kombat tournament. So was he not in Mortal Kombat 1? No. No, uh, Kung Lao was introduced to Mortal Kombat 2. He's the dude with the hat. Yeah, I know. I know. You might be you might be confusing him with Raiden, who had his hat on in the first Mortal Kombat. But Liu Kang is is the murderer. He had a different he had a different hat. I think they mentioned Kung Lao because I think Kung Lao shows up in the movie. He does, which is which is based more off of the first game, but not. Yeah, he was introduced in Mortal Kombat 2 because he because they was because he was supposed to be immortal until the next tournament. And it was a whole thing. Yeah. And I also probably just didn't read some of the bits in in the game because it says that he is one of the last known descendants of the great Kung Lao. So that was the confusion for me as a kid. So, you know, but anyway, so this is a live action series about Mortal Kombat and some Mortal Kombat characters do, in fact, show up. Including and this, is, this is not the more recent cool live action Mortal Kombat show. This is. Oh, well, Miles, you continue. Oh, yeah. So you've got you've got to have your Scorpion, your Sub-Zero. Uh, Katana plays a major role, I believe, in parts of this. Noob Cybot is in this show. As is Rain and Reptile and Smoke. All four of the secret characters well, they're not secret anymore because now they're just part of the lineup. But they were at one point, yes. Uh, and yeah, I and there, there's other fun stuff that, that we're going to mention next week, but I am so excited to watch the first two episodes of this because while I, while I will say I was always more a Street Fighter kid, I did. I loved the story lore of Mortal Kombat, at least for the first three games. It was so wild and out there and it was half uh enter the dragon and half like dark fantasy dark fantasy like shao khan craziness yeah i'm i'm super super star- i don't know if shao khan makes an appearance in the show but i know that shang sung does oh yeah he does he does he, I, I, apparently the same actor plays both shao khan and raiden so that should be interesting um, cannot wait to see how this goes again. <laughs> I, I saw this at three o'clock in the morning on a Saturday night in, I think, 2001. And I just remember seeing a couple of them just fighting. I cannot remember anything about this show. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> well, with that said, gang, we are going to end that episode here. Uh, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us at themoreyounerd.com where you can find the archive of every episode we've ever done. You can reach out to us on Twitter at themoreyounerd, facebook.com slash themoreyounerd. And of course, you can email us themoreyounerd at gmail.com. That's themoreyounerd at gmail.com. So until next time, we're going to end this show as we always do with a rousing nerd. Out. Out.